Hello and welcome to Best Comics Ever, presented by Comic Book Herald. I'm your host, Dave Deason, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com, and you are listening to a Best Comics Ever edition of New and Completed Story Arcs added to the Marvel Unlimited catalog. Today we'll be going into three complete story arcs that are now fully available for Marvel Unlimited subscribers. I'll be talking about these Marvel Legacy era books and what I think of them and where they stand in the overall Marvel pantheon. Before we do so, as always, Best Comics Ever and Comic Book Herald is brought to you by patreon.com slash comicbookherald where patrons support the site and make sure that we are funded and able to continue operating as we do. I have a special thank you to go out to some of our mysterious benefactors. These are the patrons in the mysterious benefactor tier of generous support of Comic Book Herald endeavors. Today, I'd like to thank Jesse W. Thank you for being a mysterious benefactor of Comic Book Herald. And I'd also like to thank Trey McLemore. Thank you for being a mysterious benefactor, Trey and Jesse. Without further ado, we will be going into new and complete story arcs added to Marvel Unlimited the weeks of September 9th, 2018 and September 16th, 2018. Real quick, as far as spoilers go, I will not be spoiling twists or major turns in any of the comic books discussed today. I will be discussing Marvel history and a little bit of context that leads up to the events of these issues. So, as always, I say, if you're starting the complete Marvel reading order on Comic Book Herald from the very beginning and you don't want to know anything that's happened since, we're going to be talking today about comics that were mostly published and produced in 2017 and 2018 so again i would come on back later if that's the position you find yourself in if you're not too worried let's get going my very favorite comic that was fully completed is hawkeye series that started in 2016 and ran for 16 issues the 16th was added to marvel unlimited catalog here just in the past couple weeks and this wraps up a again 16 issue run of kate bishop as the lead Hawkeye here. Now, if you're not as familiar with Kate, and for fans of, for example, the MCU, you might not be, uh, Kate is the second Hawkeye to enter the Marvel Universe. She came into the picture with the Young Avengers of the 2000s, so following the events of Avengers Disassembled, which is a big event that occurred in 2004, written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by David Finch, uh, there were then the Young Avengers were introduced as this, you know, as it sounds, sort of Teen Titans-esque DC uh, counterpart, but to fill in for an Avengers in disarray. And Kate was one of these characters that was created at that time, and she is she took the mantle of Hawkeye, which is pretty great in that while many of the uh, Young Avengers took, you know, analogs or, or similar styles and names to some of the famous avengers kate just straight up took the name hawkeye which is kind of speaks to her character in that she is uh very very willing to kind of get up in people's face and doesn't back down from anything and is not going to sit around and think that she's a lesser hawkeye or that she's you know hawk girl or or you know junior hawkeye or any of the versions of sidekicks that might be around she just straight up sidles up to the mantle place of the the titular hero and wears it well and kate probably you know so in addition to young avengers which occurs throughout the 2000s you can find some good kate stories there 
I would recommend uh, the first initial Young Avengers, which came out in 2005. I would recommend the 2000, I believe, 13 Marvel Now era uh, Young Avengers with uh, written by Kieran Gillen with art by Jamie McKelvey. That's a very good series, and Kate is prominently displayed there as well. Those are her best Young Avengers showings. From there, Kate would, would go on to be featured in the iconic, classic, one of the best comics of the decade, Hawkeye, which started in 2011, written by Matt Fraction with art by David Aha. It's it's one of my favorite comics, um, again, of the 2000s or beyond. And that Hawkeye series, which I think ran for 24 issues in an annual, I've got them all in a long box somewhere around here. Uh, that one's great. If you haven't read it, definitely go back. But one of the best things it did was it, it made Clint was the focus, of course, at the start. And he's kind of, you know, partnering with Kate and she's a recurring supporting character initially. But as the series progresses, Kate became more and more of a focus to the point that there is an entire trade collected. And, and basically it was going on a back and forth issue cadence at the time of release where Kate was absolutely the feature of the book. And she took on this sort of down-on-her-luck private investigator role that suits her very, very well. Now, again, I've mentioned Kate, you know, kind of her entrance into the Marvel Universe. Her background as a character is that she comes from extreme wealth. Uh, her father is very, very rich. So you have this, you know, uh, rich girl, potential stereotype there, who is absolutely not that and when she becomes a private investigator out on LA it's when she's you know sort of been cut off from these funds and no longer can trust her dad and she doesn't have the money to fall back on um, I always think of you know the the point of view character in common people the pulp song in that you know there's the line if you called your dad you could stop it all and that's what Kate has until she doesn't and then she really has to come into her own even more as an investigator as a hero and as a person so that's the context for Kate Bishop, for those of you who might not know. This series uh, is, again, is all about her. It's written by Kelly Thompson with art by Leonardo Romero, and it is excellent. Uh, it's one of the best Marvel Legacy era comics that I have read. Uh, I talked pretty, pretty highly of Generation X recently. I liked this Hawkeye even more than that, uh, truly. Again, it, it takes, it's kind of the spiritual um, sequel to the Fraction and Aha Hawkeye in that Thompson and, and Romero pretty pretty welcomingly um, take on the tone and the vibe of that book. Uh, Romero's art, honestly, in a lot of ways, it it calls back to that Hawkeye series, and Thompson's writing does the same. You know, that the Hawkeye series by Fraction and Aha famously opens with a panel of Hawkeye falling, you know, with seemingly no escape in sight, and the caption, this looks bad, and, you know, they play with that uh, type of writing quite a bit in, in not actually copying the text, but using variations on the theme. So again, here you have Bishop, she's out in L.A., and she is trying to start a career as a private investigator. She has Hawkeye Investigations, trying to make her own sign on the door. And we get some fun team-ups in the early going with Jessica Jones, her mentor, and of course, the other famous sleuth uh, PI in the Marvel Universe. But again, you have uh, Kate trying to carve out this role. And of course, as she does so, she's sort of beset by her father, who is you know increasingly... Um, 
it's a familial relation, but he also has this sort of, you know, super villain-esque tendencies that she has to deal with. She gets a whole great cast of supporting characters that are become kind of her network and framework out in LA. And then of course you've got from the that Fraction Aha series, you've got Thompson and Romero leaning into Madame Mask as Kate bishop's kind of arch nemesis so as hawkeye she gets a villain who has been you know at times an avengers villain and and during the bendis run of the 2000s you know madame mask was number one a in command next to the hood um but here she's she's very much continuing her role as having a vendetta against kate so all in all this is highly highly recommended reading uh, I would say if you're fans of the, the Hawkeye series that I described prior to this, definitely check it out. If you're a fan of Young Avengers, this is a must read. Um, again, I think if you like Generation X, which I talk longingly about as well, uh, you're going to want to read Hawkeye. Thompson is an extremely, extremely funny writer. Uh, it's a very smart series. Again, you get cameos from Jessica Jones, all-new Wolverine, Laura Kinney, and, and then, of course, by the end of it, Clint Barton himself as the Hawkeyes team up together to, to help each other out. So that's Hawkeye number 1 to 16. That is my favorite, most recommended read of this period of Marvel Unlimited Comics. That brings us to the middle tier. We've only got three that um, that wrapped up in full, and the middle tier again is is not nearly as highly recommended, but overall good. And that's Despicable Deadpool. Uh, you have now number issues number two eighty seven to two ninety six, so it's actually two full story arcs available in MU. Um, I only had time to get through the first arc, which is uh, if not titled Deadpool Kills Cable. That is the that is certainly the premise with every issue basically uh, having Strife, Cable's clone, uh, has hired out Deadpool to kill his, you know, kind of frenemy, Cable. And to give you some context for Despicable Deadpool, it is the continuation of writer Jerry Dugan's time on Deadpool, which begins all the way back in 2012 when he came on to the title The Marvel Now Era with comedian and writer here Brian Posehn. Uh, Dugan has stayed on the title ever since that time, so he's been on it now some six years. And in you know the last year plus, Deadpool has undergone some some serious negative uh, backlash. So kind of following the release of his movie. Uh, there was some, you know, Deadpool fever, and he actually joined up with an Uncanny Avengers team, which, you know, is the easily the highest profile gig he's had in the Marvel Universe, and then Secret Empire happened, and Deadpool was kind of turned into a stooge by the evil Steve Rogers Captain America. He was made into a kind of contract for hire for Hydra, and he was abused. His family relationships totally went down the tubes, and things are bad for Wade Wilson, even worse than usual. And as a result, he basically says, you know, I give up. I'm just going to go back to contract for higher killing and none of this feeling stuff. So that's why he seemingly in the early going turns on Cable and seeks out to, to murder him, assassinate him on behalf of, again, Cable's evil clone, Strife. As you'd expect in a comic that heavily involves Cable and Strife, there is a ton of time travel it gets completely bonkers. If you try to map it all out and add it all up, you will probably just get a headache. Nonetheless, this is fun. Uh, it's actually the most I've enjoyed Dugan's writing on Deadpool in quite some time. 
I think it's a it's a recommended read from me. I like it. It's not as good as You Are Deadpool, which is my favorite Deadpool thing to come out, uh, written by Al Ewing here in 2018. Nonetheless, if you're a Deadpool fan, this is a definite read. And even if you're not, um, if you're more of a Cable fan or, or X-Men fan, kind of just want to see what's going on in this corner of the universe, uh, I would recommend checking out this first arc, Deadpool Kills Cable, because it's, it's pretty fun stuff. That brings us to the final arc that is wrapped up in Marvel Unlimited, and this is She-Hulk, number 159 to number 163. It's a series written by Mariko Tamaki, and that is the Marvel Legacy era She-Hulk. It follows up on the heels of what is has been titled Hulk number 1 to 12. Now, that's a little misleading in that it's the 2016 series, and it exclusively stars She-Hulk. Um, again, context here, and this is more recent Marvel history context. I'll be referencing Civil War II. If you're not caught up to that point, I would I would pause and, and maybe skip ahead a minute or so here. But in Civil War II, uh, in the early going there, Hawkeye actually is um, he he fires a Hulk killing arrow, and it kills Bruce Banner, the original Hulk, and that's kind of the big death and and turning point in some ways of Civil War II, which is by and large one of my least favorite Marvel events um, of the 2000s. But nonetheless, that is the context which sets up Hulk being a Jennifer Walters She-Hulk book in 2016 after Civil War II has occurred. Uh, it's it, I did not like this series very much at all. There are some interesting ideas at play here with Jen Walters um, basically being unable to trans... Oh, and then I... I skipped over a very important piece here. So you have the actual uh, original, I should say, Bruce Banner Hulk killed. And then you have Jen herself in the first issue punched into a coma by Thanos. So you have She-Hulk dealing with the, the trauma of her injury at the hands of the Mad Titan, as well as the loss of her cousin and, and obviously someone who has meant a lot to her as part of the Hulk family and part of her actual blood family. So... That's the context. Um, Tamaka and the artist here, which I'm, I'm blanking on the name in, in poor fashion, but they, again, tried to do some interesting things with having, you know, these kind of idea of dealing with trauma in this universe, uh, which is compelling, but it rarely comes to fruition. And I think the the toughest thing about this Hulk run is not that Jen isn't you know, morphing into She-Hulk and beating up baddies, and there's not as much action, so much as um, it, the the cliffhangers and the the momentum of the narrative, they, they just stall at every turn. And the things that are supposed to be enticing, that are supposed to be interesting, they, they aren't. Um, I, I think of issue number one in Hulk, and essentially you have... Uh, basically just a character who we know nothing about being spoken to in the dark by a voice we know nothing about. And the implication is there's something larger behind the scenes, but there's no reason to be invested or really be that interested in the mystery of it. So I, I think Hulk is kind of a bust. It was not for me. Again, I tried the first several issues of the Hulk series and then the most recent She-Hulk Legacy Era issues, which bring in the leader, who I love as a villain, 
um, but just none of it, none of it really worked for me. And again, it's uh, it's artist Nico Leon. I should give credit to who does a really interesting job. There's some almost um, anime-ish kind of facial uh, expressions here, which kind of bring a nice, um, slightly different different tone to the comic. But yeah, this one was not for me. It's a stay away. But again, uh, it you know it deals with some interesting themes. So there may be fans out there who who find much more to to get out of that one, especially fans of the She Hulk. With that said, those are the most recent arcs. I did want to mention as well. There was one classic arc that was added to the MU library that really stood out to me. <clears throat> Excuse me, and that is uh, Chamber, the 2002 series issues number one to four. Now, again, I talked about Gen X recently. Not that Chamber is my favorite mutant or member of the X-Men. Chamber is the, the British fellow with a giant blast furnace coming out of his mouth and chest. And uh, the reason this series really stood out to me was it turns out it's written by Brian K. Vaughan, who is one of, if not the most kind of popular and, and critically acclaimed writer of comics. Uh, of the the 2000s, certainly of the 2010s. So I was fascinated to see that he'd even written a Chamber series. I didn't know this. It's, it was not a part of my Marvel Knights era comic book herald reading order. You know, part one of the guide there covers 1998 to 2004. I didn't know that this one even existed. So I read the first couple issues. It's it's pretty interesting. It's fun. It's far from BKV's best stuff, but it's definitely a BKV comic. You know, there's good henchmen banter and there's you know some good pop culture jokes and all the stuff you would expect um and then you know it is dealing with some certainly more serious themes of racial intolerance uh through the lens of mutant intolerance in the marvel universe so you have chamber investigating uh some murders that occur in a college that is essentially applying um a marvel universe mutant version of affirmative action or of of desegregation in their school and that they're bringing mutants into the college and they're actually granting them scholarships uh it's actually empire state university being labeled here one of the more progressive institutions in the marvel universe and that is for marvel fans will recognize as the college that peter parker went to so you have chamber going there again i only read the first two so i can't speak to the series in its entirety but that's one that i would recommend if you're looking for an off the beaten path uh relatively short read uh just to see you know again one of the kind of the best leading comic book writers um, in his in his earlier stages writing for Marvel. There you have it. Those are the comic book Herald editions, or excuse me, the, the Marvel Unlimited editions, and you've been listening to Best Comics Ever presented by Comic Book Herald. Again, thank you to everyone on Patreon supporting the site. You can find out more about that and how to support and rewards over on patreon.com slash comic book herald. You can also find music for today's episode on anthonyweiss.com. It's anthonyweiss.com. Again, all sorts of good stuff over on comicbookherald.com. Got new reading orders going up every single week, as well as a column every Monday in which I discuss typically one comic I've read, a review of something comics related, um, one trend that I'm noticing or something that I have an opinion about that I want to talk about, uh, as well as a new feature that I'm adding now, uh, just one thing in comics that I love that I don't think is getting enough attention. So thanks as always for listening and enjoy the comics. Hey.